came hungry tonight. Amen. Well, get your Bibles open. We're going to continue with revival. This is a good-looking attendance. Usually Monday nights is our lowest night. It's a good-looking attendance. We are having quite a few people missing. My wife couldn't get out of work. Kristen's uh, obviously still recuperating. Keep praying for her. She's still in a lot of pain. And then also my dad and mom are with my uh, grandma, who's in the hospital. They had to kind of do a shift tonight of watching her. So, uh, and I know there's other people working and in classes, but it's going to be an awesome three more nights. Amen. And I'm excited. I want you to, my challenge to you tonight is that you listen to the word and you get ready to come to have an awesome altar time. Amen. Let the spirit of God would flow at the altar. That's where the, the word changes us and then the spirit works on what the word did. Amen. And it makes it stay there. So uh, if you're visiting tonight, we're glad to have you. Uh, we're in revival. We are a church that exists around the world, and uh, we we have a lot of churches uh, in different countries, but we've got a lot of churches here in the States, too, and one of the best churches in all of the United States is on the north end of Colorado Springs, Pastor Patterson and Anna Pastor, amen? I've been there. It's an awesome church. They have wonderful people. they got a lot of young people who have really stepped up in, in, to, to the plate in discipleship, and uh, uh, it's a joy to have them with us here visiting in Texas. They pastored a church in Texas for a while before they went back to Colorado. He's also from the same state I'm from. We're both, we're both New Mexicans. Amen. Some of y'all are Mexicans. We're New Mexicans. And uh, it's good to have him tonight. And I want us to welcome him one more time, Pastor Alan Patterson from Colorado Springs. Amen. Let's get ready for the word of God. Praise God. Amen. We're from Nuevo, Mexicana. Amen. Everybody asks me, do you speak Spanish? Uh, poquito. Very little. Amen. But, hallelujah. I tell you what, I love the Lord. I love what God is doing. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Blake just mentioned that um, uh, tonight at the altar. Amen. I want you to be ready for God to do something, speak to your heart. Uh, in prayer tonight, um, praise God, God um, gave me a, a few things, and um, we're going to be praying for some different needs, specific needs tonight. Um, and I want to ask you to do something with me, amen. I've, I've learned this over all the years is that the success of any revival or church service, amen, um, to, otherwise for it to be successful, it has to be more than just a time that you come and hear a sermon and do your ministry and have activities. Amen. Too many times in, in Christianity, we're much into activity. We're into just doing things. But for it to really be successful, we need, uh, to, we need God to mold us and shape us and help us to grow, as I was saying yesterday, from glory to glory to glory. And so uh, let the Holy Spirit really begin to speak to you about maturing because I want you to know something, that the kingdom of God is built upon mature disciples. The world would call it leaders, okay? How many know that any business is going to rise or fall on its leadership, Okay? It rises or falls on its leadership. A anything in business, it's, or even in nations, uh, it rises and falls on leadership. In the kingdom of God, we would define that as 
not we are leaders, amen, but it really comes down to mature disciples, people who are maturing. So sometimes, uh, I was thinking about this, we, we, we think about how the Lord challenges us. And maybe the Lord would challenge you this week in your, uh, in your prayer life. And it's good to be, how many know we need to be challenged in our prayer life? We need to be challenged in our time that we spend with God. But sometimes what will happen is you'll get challenged in your prayer life and you'll think, I need to spend more time in prayer. And, that's, and, and don't get me wrong, if you're only spending 10, 15 minutes in prayer, you need to spend more time in prayer. Okay? But there may be times you're spending uh, uh, good time in prayer, quantity time in prayer, but maybe what God is challenging you is not, okay, I want you to go from uh, 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 45 minutes to two hours or you know, an hour to two hours. What God may be challenging you is, I want you to have more quality time in prayer, more mature time in prayer. Otherwise, uh, I don't pray the way today that I did years ago. My prayer is more mature. God has given me new ways of praying and understanding in prayer, and, and there's a, a maturing that happens. So many times what God is doing, he's trying to mature you. Sometimes God isn't challenging you, you to get into more ministry. How many know there's only so much of us that can go around? Amen. And sometimes we think, I know what I need. I need to get involved in more and more and more. And sometimes the Lord may challenge you to get involved in something. But many times, maybe God is saying, I want you to go to another level in your ministry. I want to take you to a more maturity. I, I want to take you to a, 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 a maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a level of excellence. So it's going from glory to glory to glory. Amen. It's allowing God, otherwise saying, God, challenge me. Challenge me, Lord God. I, I, don't want to, I don't want this whole week, this revival, to, to leave me the same. I don't want to just go, yes, uh, I got my schedule worked out, and I, I was able to go there all the time. Pastor, did you see me? I made every night. Wow, thumbs up. That's not enough, amen. That's not what God is challenging us to do, amen, just to, to attend all the services and still be the same. God is saying, you're important to me. And you need to understand something that he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. God chose you, and he brought you into his kingdom. And, and, and I, I use a lot of business analogies because I run a business. And, and God, uh, 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 he's shown me a lot of things because of that. So, example, in my business right now, I'm trying to grow my business. I'm trying to grow up, but guess what? I can't keep doing this, everything the same way because the way I do business right now, the way that I'm doing everything has me capped out of the level. I can't go any higher than that. I can't earn any more money than what I'm earning right now because of the systems in my business and the people in my business. If I want my business to enlarge and to grow, then I've got to train people to do what I do so that it frees me up to do something else. I need to get systems into place and hire the right leadership so that the business can grow. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with the church? Well, God says, if I want my church to grow, my leadership has to grow. That's you. And you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And many times we take that scripture and we think he's going to build his church. That means more people are going to come in here and we're going to fill all the chairs. And there's that truth. It is truth, but it's a two-sided coin. Isn't the Bible say that we are the church? 
right? The church is not the building. The church is you. So when the scripture says, I will build my church, the Lord is saying, I will build you. I will mold you. I will shape you. I will enlarge you. I will mature you. And so what God is trying to do is he's, he's trying to do something in us. And so my prayer, anytime I go to conference or I'm in a revival, even today, amen, as I come to preach this revival, I'm saying, God, enlarge me. I don't want to be the same preacher. I don't want to just come thinking, I know how to do this. I can preach. Amen. I'll preach something they'll like, and maybe they'll say, ooh, and ah, and, and I come in here and say, God, enlarge me. I, uh, maybe I don't uh, move a lot in the gifts of the uh, words of knowledge. But I've been praying, God, give me words of knowledge. Lord, I want to be enlarged. I don't want to be the same because uh, unless I grow, you can't grow. Unless your pastor grows, you can't grow. And when we grow, we challenge you to grow. And so I want you to be committed to that challenge. Amen. God, stir up in me, mature me, convict me, reprove me, rebuke me, correct me, instruct me. Whatever I needs to be done, I want something that's going to cause me to grow and to mature a little bit. Amen. Because that's what really a revival is about. We, we talked yesterday about the end times and how we are living in the end times and things are happening quickly. And if we really believe that, if you and I really believe that the, that the rapture of the church is uh, just uh, uh, imminent and, and can happen at any time, if we truly believe, amen, that uh, God can move and, uh, 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 and call us home, how many know there's a work that needs to be done? There's a work that needs to be done. Jesus said in the book of John, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Amen. He said, I must work while it is day because night is coming when no man can work. And so what we need to understand is there is a great need before us. And uh, 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 the truth of the matter is, and this is a hard truth. I'm going to tell you, here's the hard truth. Every one of us, the fruit that we have in our life is a reflection of where we are with God. The fruit of what we have in our life is a reflection of our spiritual maturity and our understanding of God's principles. And I remember one time when I was in prayer, and I had been, I just started pioneering, and, and our church had grown for a little bit, and then we are going through some hard times, and I'm telling you, we had a couple of years of just dead, it was dead, man, I mean, we couldn't get a visitor in the door, it didn't matter what I did, it was dead, me and my wife, we would be talking about, man, maybe we need to go somewhere else, maybe we need to go start a church somewhere else, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't give me a release, he said, no, 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 no. And I remember one time I'm in service, uh, in a prayer service uh, on a Wednesday night, and, and uh, I'm there, and nobody's in the prayer, nobody's coming. It, 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 it was like the whole thing was dying, and I remember praying, God, I need you to move. God, I need you to do something. God, I need a move of God. I need you, Lord, I need you to do something. Lord God, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I need you to do something. I'm doing something. I'm praying. That's what I'm supposed to If I pray more, you're going to do something, right? He says, uh, no, no. You need to grow, son. You need to mature more. You want more fruit? You need to grow. How many know if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results? God began to challenge me to grow, to mature as a pastor. He began to challenge me to mature as a spiritual leader. He began to challenge me, amen, not just to be in the word more, but to change the way that I study the word, to get more, amen. And he says, if you'll grow, amen, you'll, be a bear, you'll bear more fruit. 
And it's the same in ministry. You want uh, any ministry in your church to grow? If you want any church, anything that you're doing in the kingdom of God, maybe you're in children's ministry, nursery, amen, worship team, whatever, outreach team. Listen, if you want it to grow and to bear more fruit, then let the Spirit of God mold you and shape you and mature you and you'll grow more fruit. You'll be more fruitful, amen. And so, praise God, that's just, uh, that's a freebie for you this, uh, this afternoon, hallelujah. But I wanted to challenge you, amen, uh, by saying those things that, uh, that maybe you, it would give you a, maybe a little different perspective on why we're in revival, amen. Sometimes we think we're in revival just to hear a new preacher uh, or uh, our church believes in revivals and so that's why we do them and it's successful if uh, 60, 75 percent of the church shows up. No, it's not successful unless somehow God gets hold of us and changes and molds us and shapes us and enlarges us and matures us, amen. And so uh, how many know though that in this, this uh, uh, walk with God, this uh, building of his church, we're, we're in a fight. How many have been in a fight? Spiritual battles, spiritual battles. And I want you to know something tonight. God is for you and God wants you to win. God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants to give you breakthroughs, amen? Now, I mentioned last night how sometimes we as Christians, we are so self-minded, amen, when sometimes we need to understand that God is saying there's greater things. Don't just pray for small things. You've got to pray for great things. But I also want you to understand something. God is also interested in the little things. He's interested in those things that you and I are going through. Because he knows that as his servants, amen, that if we're not being strengthened and if we're not being encouraged, if we're not being built up, if we're not gaining personal victories, then how can we be a great army? How many know if you had an army, amen, and uh, 60% of those soldiers had marital problems and financial problems and, and sickness in their bodies and everything, that that army is going to be, it's going to actually not going to be as effective, it's not going to be that effective. Why? Because even though those soldiers may know how to fight on the battlefield, all the things going on in their life and health issues and marriage problems and, and kids that are uh, uh, having problems, it would affect, uh, amen, their concentration. It would affect their commitment. To, uh, and all of these things happen. And that's how the devil likes to work on you. That's why the devil likes to pick on you personally. Because it's not always just about you. You know, here's the, we, we, I remember back uh, as I studied uh, warfare and especially all the different uh, wars that America's been in, one, one that was very unique was the Vietnam War. And what they learned, what our enemy learned about us was that we cared about our soldiers. And we had a motto, no man left behind. And so what they learned is if we killed this soldier, well, he's dead. But if we wounded him, two other soldiers would try to pick him up and carry him. So by wounding one, it would take out three. So what they would do is they would begin, instead of shoot to kill, they would shoot to wound. But it, they want to get a serious wound where the guy couldn't walk on his own and he would probably bleed out, but it would take other soldiers. They knew that if they wounded these men, others would come to try to rescue them and then they could kill 10 or 12 more. See, that's how the devil works. The devil knows, hey, I want to pick you off. I want to, I want to begin to mess with you. I want to, I want to get you uh, off of your main goal, and I want you to be dealing with wounded issues all the time in your life, wounded relationships. Uh, you're wounded in your finances. You're wounded in your spirit. Uh, you're easily offended. All of these things the devil wants to do in your life. Why? Because it makes you an ineffective soldier of God. 
And so what happens is if we don't learn how to fight the enemy, amen, not only as a church body but individually, then what's going to happen, amen, is we become ineffective or less effective, amen? And the Bible tells us here in the book of Ephesians chapter 10, I mean uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand." And he goes on to uh, speak verses 14 through 18 about putting on the armor of God. You can keep your finger there we'll, or a bookmark there. We're going to come back to that. But it, the scripture is saying a couple things. Number one, we don't wrestle against people. Now you need to understand something. Sometimes you think my battle is with this person. There may be, you may have a boss today, amen, who's against you. You may have a company that you work for and they want to they go cheap on you. They won't give you a raise and when they do, it's a nickel and a dime and a quarter. I mean, it just irritates me. Somebody says, yeah, I got a raise, yeah, 50 cents. That ain't a raise, that's an insult. I'm t- I'm not really is, it is. Give them a buck, at least give them a dollar raise, amen. I, I, I couldn't believe the other day, I had a, my, my nephew was telling me how he works for a restaurant and oh man, they were all upset because the, the minimum wage went up like 40 cents. Wow. 40 cents, oh, I'm thinking, okay, so you got 10 employees there, right? Uh, if, let's say all of them work full time and let's just say it was a 50 cent raise and they all work 40 hours a week. Woo, that's $20 a person. Oh man, oh, man! How many hamburgers you got? You guys just got to sell three hamburgers, and you made that up. Amen. You know, I've learned a long time ago in business. You know what? If you take care of people, they'll take care of you. Amen. Let's share the wealth a little bit. Amen. But you know, this is the mentality, and sometimes you think that boss or this company is my enemy. No, the Bible says you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a spirit behind it. There could be a, a, a spirit of covetousness behind it, a spirit of stinginess behind it. Amen. There can be all kinds of demonic spirits behind that. Those people don't even know they're being influenced. And you need to understand something. All of humanity is being influenced by the spiritual realm. All of humanity, even you and me. You see, this earthly realm that you and I live in and we as human beings that live in these earthly bodies, we were created from the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is the foundational realm. We are a reflection of it. Otherwise, this is a lesser realm. The angels, we have been made, the Bible says, a little lower than the angels. You know, angels, they, they, they're a little different than we are. Amen. They can appear and disappear. They can take on the form of a human body or they can stay in a spiritual body and be unseen. Amen? And what we need to understand is that all of humanity is being influenced and that's why the Bible calls them, number one, principalities, rulers of darkness. Amen? The principality, did you know that leaders all over the world, nations are being controlled by spirits? If you remember the story in the book of Daniel, we see where Daniel's praying and finally Gabriel shows up and he says, Daniel, when you prayed before, 21 days ago, you prayed and I was sent, but the prince of Persia withheld me or withstood me. 
prince of Persia. That wasn't a man. That was a spirit. It was a principality over Persia. The whole nation of Persia was being influenced by this principality. Influence. Leaders, worlds, nations have been, are being influenced. People are being influenced. Some people, even Christians, can be influenced by both godly and ungodly spirits. One Christian, uh, a Christian can be influenced by the Holy Spirit to be compassionate and loving, but yet can still be controlled by a spirit of poverty. We need to understand that these spirits are at war against us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen. And we need to understand, amen, hey, these are not just, a, you know, I, I know I've heard people say, well, you know, the devil, I know he's a roaring lion, but he's toothless now. You know, I've been, a, I've been in a few fights, and if he's toothless, I wouldn't want to see him when he's got teeth. Because there's been a time or two that, you know, he, 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 he really knocked the wind out of me. Made me want to quit. How many of you ever, you know, the fear that comes upon you? Hopelessness, heaviness, depression, sickness, disease. All of these things are, are influences from the spiritual realm. So what am I saying? I'm saying, listen, you better take this fight seriously. Because there is a power of hell. There are demonic powers. There are spirits. Example, there's a spirit of fear. God says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. But fear comes from a spirit. And there are influences. The devil and the powers of hell are influenced. But the good news is God Almighty, through the Holy Spirit, is also influencing and we need to be influenced by the Spirit of God. We've got to let the Holy Spirit influence us and lead us and guide us and learn how to win these battles. Because what God did is God said, uh, he said it to you and I, he says, you're going you're gonna to have to fight these spirits. You're going to have to, you're not going to fight people. You're going to fight spirits. You're going to fight the powers of hell. You're going to fight the principalities, the rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness. Now, I know, you know, some people, they, get, they, they look at a person and think that's a bad dude. I don't want to mess with him. Well, why don't you try looking at some of the powers of hell? You know, most of the time an angel would show up in the Bible. When they see him, they would fall down in great fear. If you saw angels, if you saw demons, it'd freak you out. I mean, how many know it freaks you out when you feel them? How many have ever been around when you feel them? The back of your hair goes up and you go, man, I don't know what that is. How many of you have ever woken up from a bad dream and you know it was demonically inspired? Amen. And you feel the presence of the devil in there. I mean, you know, thinking, I don't know what this is, but I don't like it. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. And the promise of God was this. Hey, I'm not going to leave you without the ability to defeat the devil. I'm not going to leave you without the strength and the power to defeat the enemy. God says, I give you the armor of God. Most Christians, they get up every morning, they just leave the armor there. I don't need the armor right now. When the devil attacks me, I'll get it. That's not when you put the armor on. Amen. You'll be bleeding out. Pastor, 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 I need you to pray for me. Oh, oh. How many Christians are just all beat up and bleeding out, amen? And why? Because they don't take this battle serious. Amen. We don't even know how. You know, it's like, it's like these guys, man, who, uh, uh, they, they got guns. They don't even know how to shoot them. 
How many know I don't want to be on no shooting range or out, out there in the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the forest or here's out in the, you know, empty spaces. You know, you don't want to be out there, you know, on a shooting range or out there shooting and, and some guy doesn't even know how to do it. You know, it's like, oh, man, how's this? Hey, is this? Like, get that gun out of this guy's hand. He's about to kill somebody. God gave you a weapon. The Bible says, amen, in the book of 2 Corinthians, praise God, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5, he says, uh, the weapons of all warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh, but they're mighty in God to pulling down strongholds, to casting down, amen, everything uh, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got weapons, but many Christians don't really know what the weapons of God are or even how to use them. Now, the Bible talks about the weapon, the main weapon that we have is the sword of the Spirit. He says in here, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Stand therefore, in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded over your waist with truth, uh, uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. And so we see we have this armor, and we're supposed to use this armor. Now, I want to give you two things tonight, amen. First and foremost, in this spiritual battle that you and I are in, amen. The Bible says, first of all, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, I've got a, I got a real sword in my office that hangs on the wall. And, man, you know, those swords are heavy. If you've ever lifted a real sword, I mean, this, they, they can weigh 20 pounds, and my son, you know, he's eight years old, and, and uh, I, one day he said, Dad, let, let, me, let me hold your sword. So I took it off the wall, and I gave it to him, and he's like, he's got both hands, and he's, he's doing this thing, you know, he's, ugh. How many know if you've got no strength or power, you can't wield a sword? Amen. You're not going to be able to wield that sword with, without strength or power. And so we need to understand that, amen. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the first thing before we start saying, put on the armor, amen. Here, it's like getting a, a weak person, amen, no strength or some kid and putting armor on them, amen. That, there's no way you're gonna win. You can't even, it's gonna, it's gonna be against you. It's too heavy, Amen. So we've got to understand, first and foremost, we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We see that God has given us power and he's given us weapons to defeat the devil. Amen. And when God decided, I want you to think about this. God knew that when you got saved, you were born again and now you are spirit also. You're not just flesh. The Bible says you're made of body, soul, and spirit. You're spirit being also now. Did you know that? You need to understand that. You need to read because before Paul ever got to Ephesians chapter 6, he started out in Ephesians chapter 1. And in chapter 1, he said, you know what? I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of him. And he said one of the things he wanted you to know is that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power that worketh toward us. It was the same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it was the same power that seated Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And he said, Jesus' name and Jesus Christ is far above all principalities and powers. What That word far above is a military term that means highly outranks. Jesus highly outranks all principalities and powers. 
We say, yeah, Lord, we thank God you're up there. No, your spirit too. You keep reading it. It goes on to say, and we were made alive with Christ, and we have been seated in heavenly places also. You know why? Because Jesus is the head and we're the body. So if Jesus, how many know he ain't headless, amen, or bodiless, he's not, he's not just a head up there, his body's with him, we're with him, and your spirit has been lifted up in heaven already, amen, and you have been seated in heavenly places, amen, far above all principalities and powers. So when God said, okay, my children, they're still living in this fleshly body, but I need to give them weapons and ability to defeat the devil because Jesus says, I'm leaving. I mean, no, when Jesus was around, demons just fell down. I mean, I, I bet you Peter and them was all, they thought they were bad, huh? They'd come into a synagogue and some person would be demon-possessed and that demon would just come and fall down. Oh, Jesus, have mercy upon me, you know. How about the man with the legion? He just came and fell. Everybody else would, you know, put him in shackles and he'd break them and beat them up and do all kinds of crazy things. Now, I mean, they thought, oh, this is great. But when Jesus left... How I many you know if he didn't leave us something, we'd be in trouble? We know that because uh, Paul the apostle was casting out demons and the seven sons of Sceva, they said, hey, let's do that too. And they went to some man demon possessed. We adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out. And the demon looked at him and says, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know, I don't know you boys. Next thing you know, that one demon jumped on those seven brothers and they come running out of the house naked, bleeding and beaten. Don't want to mess with the devil if you don't have the power of God. And so I want you to think about this. God, he has an arsenal. Just like, how many know the American army and our military forces have some pretty bad arsenals? And man, we've got, I mean, there's all, I, we, I like weapons. I don't, you know, man, I, I like guns and all that stuff. I'm like all, most guys, you know, and, and I'm a real student of history and warfare. And I, I, I've seen all these different type of weapons and everything. And, and, you know, you can go down here and you can buy you, you know, AR-15s and you can buy you even, I mean, you can get you a, fill, a 50 caliber rifle, 50 caliber, man, that's a bullet about that big. You can buy that. That's a, that's a bad gun. But you know what? How many know that gun ain't nothing compared to a Stinger missile? Bam, bam, bam. Stinger missile, it's a, it's, a, it's a better weapon out of the arsenal. And how many know a Stinger missile is nothing compared to an intercontinental ballistic nuclear bomb? Right? There's sometimes they, they, they even have these bombs called, you know, bomb busters. And it goes into the earth, and then it blows up so that then the next missile can come in. You, you just give them an intercontinental ballistic missile, and, and it's all over. Just, you know, hit the button and walk away. But you don't use that weapon all the time. Yeah, thank God. But I want you to know something. God in heaven, he has an arsenal. And when God decided to empower the church of Jesus Christ, he went and got the most powerful weapons of all to empower us with. He didn't give us a bunch of six-shooters and a badge. Amen? How many know you're dealing with the, it, that, it's like the old stories, you know, you seen, it used to be, you know, the sh cops would show up on the scene, you know, and the gangs were there, and the gangs had automatic weapons, and the cops were shooting their little nine mil. So they had to figure it out, well, we're going to have to get some auto weapons for our cops too. So God said, I'm going to give you. And the most powerful weapon of all in heaven, 
the most, the greatest power of all was the Holy Spirit. God didn't just say, I'm gonna give you a weapon. He said, huh, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He said, Spirit, you're the power one. I mean, you're, you're the power. And he said, that's why the promise of the Father was in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He said that you must tarry in Jerusalem until you have been endued with power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be endued with power. Dunamis power, amen. And that's, I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in a fight, I want you to understand something. If you're in a fight, you need all resources, don't you? How many of you have ever, you know, heard guys who brag, I can whoop you with one hand tied behind my back? I remember one time when I was a kid, my, I had a brother 10 years older than me, and he liked to fight me all the time. And rough, he, was, he said, I'm roughing you up, Alan. He said, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you, you know. He, he, it was, I think he was just having fun. But I mean, every once in a while, I just walk, I'd be walking in the living room, and he'd just get out of his seat, watch the TV, and tackle me, and start beating up on me, and giving me red bellies, and everything. So I remember one time, he, he said, man, I like to whoop you, man, with one hand tied behind my back. And so one time, I took him up on I said, well, I was about 12 years old. I was getting a little bigger anyway. He was 22. And uh, he, I said, well, why don't you try it? So... He tied one hand behind his back, and we started going. He was at first kind of keeping me away, but I got loose. I was a little quicker than him. Boy, I kicked him, you know where, and and um, I started doing all kinds. He, he figured out, man, that one hand thing wasn't that good. He never told me that anymore after that. Then I, Now, the other good news was after I got in a few good shots, I ran. Hallelujah. I was smart. I wasn't dumb. But, you know, God... He gave us more than one weapon. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare. Now I want you to understand, I'm going to use a little bit of the illustration. Now, first and foremost, what we need to understand is that God has given us two hands, two fists, and you need two weapons. All right, so the first one, hopefully you can read that. That's the Holy Spirit power, amen? So the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We see it right here in the book of Ephesians where he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. First of all, it's not so much a weapon as it is the power to use the weapon. Amen. First of all, you need the power to use the weapon of God. And, 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 and this is very important. And what many Christians do, I've seen a lot of Christians, oh, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And man, it's like they got the strength, but they don't have any wisdom or any weapon. And they go into battle all the time. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. I bind. I, and they're just, they're just rebuking. And listen, I believe in rebuking the devil. But you know what? God didn't say, here's the strength. Now just go swinging. You know, especially with one hand still tied behind your back. You got the Holy Spirit power. How many know you just can't get a knockout haymaker every time? If I've seen fighters. They're some of the best boxers they could be. I mean, George Foreman, that boy was bad to the bone. And I remember that guy, he hit so hard, he would just pulverize guys. I remember watching when he fought Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier, Smoking Joe, was one of the baddest boxers around. George Foreman knocked him down six times in two rounds. Joe Frazier said, I've never been hit harder in my whole life. That man had fists of steel. But Muhammad Ali got in the round with him. He said, well, I know how to deal with this. And he, he understood, you can't win every battle with power alone. 
And that's how the, the Word of God is. You, God didn't just give us the Holy Spirit and say, that's it. I'm, in fact, I'm going to show you the Lord has given us more than that. And we get through this, uh, and he says, uh, he says, stand, take on the whole armor of God. But last of all, he says, uh, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So God the Father, amen, who's orchestrating all of this, amen, first of all, he said, let's empower our believers. Let's empower our children, amen. So he didn't just get a weapon out of heaven. He took himself as the Holy Spirit and said, I'm going to put God in you. God dwells in you. The Spirit of God is God. And God dwells in you. So that means when you're facing the devil, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, the devil kind of looks and goes, I don't think I want to mess with you. Because he sees God in you, amen? But how many know the devil is a schemer? So he, he says, okay, you got the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to come and fight you toe to toe. Isn't that what the scripture says? Listen to what the scripture says. He says, he tells about the devil. He says, in the book, I believe it's James here. Let me turn over here. He says, uh, James chapter 5. You want to turn there? You can. If not, I'm just going to read it for you. In James chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Or, or 5 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then the scripture goes on to say, he says that we, we have to beware of the wiles of the devil. How many know what wiles are? The wiles of the devil are the schemes of the devil. The devil is a schemer, he is a he has wiles. He has schemes in place. In fact, we find it here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the devil goes, if God the Holy Spirit's in you, I'm not going to just face you face to face. I'm going to sneak up on you. I'm going to get you from behind. I'm going to hit you when you're not looking. I'm going to sneak up as an angel of light. Oh yeah, you know what the wiles of the devil is? The wiles of the devil is sometimes he'll bring some person into church. And you don't even know it, amen, and they got some bad spirit in them, spirit of division and strife, and they start talking to this person and that person and this person, and next thing you know, man, there's all this strife going on in the church. I'll give you one little warning about how to detect these things. Always watch out for what I call extreme religious people. Now, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, I do. My heart, even if I run into an extreme religious person, I still want to see them make it for God. But I'm going to tell you something. I've been hit hard. When we pastored our second church in Lamar, Colorado, there was a couple that came into our church, and oh, I'm telling you what, Pastor, praise God, hallelujah. And we, we, we've been fasting this week, and we've been fasting, and every time I talk to him, they've been fasting. But he didn't look like he was fasting. They was always fasting. They were in prayer. He came up to me one time and said, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm going to write out my offering check. Uh, uh, what, what does the church need? How can I help the church? And, and, and everybody, I had good quality disciples in the church, and, and I, they all felt like they were little sinners in this guy's presence, the way he prayed and talked to God and had revelations and everything. Well, by the time he left, six months later, he went to prison. 
started a business, wrote hot checks to everybody, including the church. Began to talk, they spread so much division and strife, amen, you wouldn't believe how many people left the church. And I should, you know what I should have done from the very get-go, the Holy Spirit put a check, I should have just run them out. <laughs> but sometimes we're over, I just didn't understand. At that time I was young and I didn't understand the wiles of the devil. You gotta watch out sometimes, the devil shows up as an angel of light. Now, you can't look and judge everybody by the cover, but what you have to do is have that Holy Spirit gift. What is the Holy Spirit's gift? The discerning of spirits. You can discern what's going on. So we need to understand, the devil says, all right, you've got the Holy Ghost. I'm not gonna hit you straight on because you'll just pulverize me. So I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start using schemes and wiles against you. You know what the devil would do? He'll start talking to you in your own voice. He doesn't say, I'm the devil, and I don't like you, and you know what? You're no good person. And you know what? You're not even, you, you, you don't even hardly, look at you. You're, you're not even going to church all the time, and you don't pray enough, and you don't, no, the devil will say things like, oh, man, we're just, I'm just not, I'm just struggling, and I, I don't know. And, and you know, I, I, I'm never going to get out of debt. And I, you know, nothing's ever going to change. It's the devil talks in your own voice. First person. Did you know your mind is a spiritual receiver? You know how the devil speaks to you? Through your thoughts. That's why the Bible says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And the devil will beat you up with your own thoughts and you think it's you. He'll say things like, oh, can't, I can't afford to do that. Well, I thought the scripture said that God would give you uh, 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 all sufficiency for all things and abundance for every good work. No, I can't afford to do that. I didn't know, amen, that I was under the, the world's economy. I, you, see, you see, what happens is the devil knows how to work on us. But the word of God is the weapon that God gave us, and that's why the scripture says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you're going to defeat the devil, get the other hand untied behind your back and put the word of God on. Now I want you to understand, you were going to, I'm going to take you through this really quickly. You're going to find, see where out through all the scriptures, you see the spirit and the word constantly. God is a great combination puncher. Amen. You've got the Father you got the Holy Spirit, and you got the Word. And what's the, the key is that all of them are God. So when God, when he gave you the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit is not even a weapon from heaven. It is God's weapon himself because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. Jesus is the sword of the Spirit. Amen? And what we're going to find even in the very beginning, how many know that in the beginning God said, let us create man in our image? That's plural. God didn't say, I'm going to create man. That's where we get the, what they call the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there's other scriptures that talk about that. But in the beginning, we will find in Genesis chapter 1, you will see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And this is how we see it. It starts out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it says that the, there was darkness over the earth. Amen. The water, the, the, the earth was without form and void. Water covered it, and over the deep there was darkness everywhere. How many know the devil works in darkness? And there's darkness everywhere. And the very first thing that God did was he created light. 
and light expelled the darkness, and light defeated darkness all the time. But what you'll see is God the Father is looking at this, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the deep. Because the Spirit of God is the power of God. Every time God said, let there be, let there be, let there be, guess what? The Holy Spirit powers what created it all. The Holy Spirit created everything. That's why he's just there. He's hovering. What is he doing? The Spirit of God is waiting. You know what he's waiting on? The Word of God. The Spirit of God is always waiting on the Word of God. And this is what you need to understand. Amen. And so God the Father spoke the word and the word was with the father in the beginning the word was with the father amen with with God and the word was God and the word became flesh so we see Jesus Christ as that spoken word when God the father spoke it was Jesus who was being spoken amen and so God the father speaks the Holy Spirit moves it's the way it always works through all the scripture, amen. You'll see the spirit, you'll see the word. You see the spirit, the word. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is always because the word of God. But what's crazy is this. It's like this synergistic thing that not only does the word manifest the spirit, the spirit is what will manifest the word too. And it begins, it's like a snowball. Amen. We see it, I see it so many times throughout Scripture. And I, I remember when God gave me this revelation, I begin to see it over and over and over. Example, I see it right here in Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he begins to go on talking about your battle and your armor. And then he says, but here's the spirit. You see the spirit? I mean the sword of the spirit. And so you hear you see the Holy Spirit? You see the sword, which is the word of God. The spirit and the word. The spirit and the word. How about Jesus? Jesus shows up on the scene. John the Baptist baptizes him. And what happens? He's baptized in the spirit. The spirit led him into the wilderness. The devil shows up to fight him. How did Jesus defeat him? Jesus didn't say, I rebuke you, devil. Get out of here. He resisted him with the word. The devil said, Turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He quoted this Old Testament scripture out of Deuteronomy. Amen. When the devil said, cast yourself down, and the devil even quoted scripture and said, the angels will take you. He quoted a scripture and he says, no, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When Satan says, bow down to me and I'll give you everything, he said, you shall serve the Lord your God and him only. Jesus knocked the devil out, number one, because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, but he spoke the word of God. Three scriptures defeated the devil. You need to understand something. The, the gifts of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he gives you and I gifts. Most of the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says, is for us to manifest them and use them for the brethren, for the church. The gifts of the Spirit usually are always used for the church, but the Word is for your personal fighting. Amen. That's that hand-to-hand. -hand. Amen. When the devil starts attacking you personally, you better know the word. You can't just say, I rebuke you. You've got to know how to speak against the devil. When the devil came against me and he says, you're going to go out of business. 2008. How many remember 2008? Yeah. Oh, it didn't hit that hard here. But I'm telling you what, the economy crashed in Colorado. Housing, I, housing went from, uh, you could have a house that was worth $600,000. The next day, it was worth 350000 but you still had a loan for 600. I mean, no, not good. 
People weren't buying. It was going crazy. And the devil started telling me as, as everything started slowing down, he said, you're going to go out of business. You're going to have to file for bankruptcy. And things started happening. And we, we were thinking about filing bankruptcy. We were thinking about how are we are going to do this? How are we going to do that? All these problems were going on. And, I, man, I'm, you know, I'm even praying, God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. But the scripture says in Jeremiah 1.12, God is watching and waiting to perform his word. Too many times we come to the, to the Lord in prayer and we're not quoting the word of God to him, we're quoting problems. And we're quoting what the devil's been putting in our mouth. God, I, I'm going to go bankrupt. God, I can't get over this sickness. God, I can't get, get this problem out of my life. God, 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 help me, help me, help me. And the Lord says, let's see, I put my spirit in you and I gave you my word and I call those things that are not as if they were. You can begin to speak my word. You can begin to resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? You resist him, amen, with the sword of the spirit. And you speak that word. You say, you know what? I begin to say, you know what, God? Your word says, I have been a faithful tither. I have given, Lord. I brought tithes and offerings into your storehouse. And Lord God, you said that I could test you in this, that if you would not open the windows of heaven and pour out for me such blessed, there'll not be enough room to receive it. Amen. And you will rebuke the devourer for my sake. I have given, and it shall be given back unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Will the Lord have men? In my business, that means customers. See, the Bible didn't say God will have money fall out of heaven. He said, God said, I'll have men put money in your bosom. In the old, or the old times, the Testament times, amen, a bosom, that's where their pocket was. It was, the, it, it was an inside pocket, and they would put money in there. God said, I'll have men put, give money into your bosom. Amen. How many know that's, that's where your checkbook is? That's where you, amen, that's where your bank account. God said, and I just begin to quote scripture. When I quote scriptures, bam, 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 God begins to turn it. Why? Because now I got the sword, wham, wham, wham. And I'm doing it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, that I, I've seen the extreme. I've seen the old uh, confess it and possess it, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, whatever you want to say, amen. And what people do is they think, I'll use the word of God to get what I want. And you can take it to the extreme. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen. The word of God is true. The Holy Spirit is true. God did give us the word to defeat the enemy in our life. Not to go and just uh, get, you know, people driving around, I claim that house in the name of Jesus. I claim, get real. Somebody's living in there. I've heard all the crazy stuff, amen. But the word of God, and that's why you and I need to be in the word. Know the word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, you need to see this right here. This is why you need to have the word because sometimes the battle is not out here. The battle is right here. Isn't that where the worst battles are? Right here in the mind. It's the greatest battlefield. And you know what the battle of the mind is? It's a battle of thoughts. It's a battle of beliefs. It's a battle of hope or hopelessness. That's where the battle is. The Bible says the word of God is alive and powerful and it will discern the thoughts. You know what that means? It will divide what are your thoughts and what are the devil's thoughts. He'll discern it and he'll tell you. The word of God will say, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't me. That's not me. How many have ever wanted to give up? I mean, give up in life. 
Some people get so depressed, they just want to give up. They just want to die, go to heaven. We've dealt, we've dealt with that. We, you know, people think, oh, pastors don't ever deal with that kind of stuff and their wives. We've dealt with all kinds of things. We've had a daughter who was backslidden, hooked on meth for years. Amen. My wife went through depression. Amen. I've gone through hopelessness. But you know what I'm going to tell you? It brought us through every battle, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would anoint us, and he began to tell us how to speak the Word of God, how to use the Word of God to defeat the enemy. Amen? See, the Word of God is a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. And I was reading about this, and it's, 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 it's kind of in the Greek word, amen, it's not just two-edged, it's like it's two-faced. It has two faces. How many know that's what a sword is, a, 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 a two-edged sword? It's like having two faces, and what it is, it's God is one face, and God spoke the word, and our mouth, our faith, face is the second one that speaks it back. And that's the only way that that two-edged sword can divide and cut, amen, is when God spoke it to you, and then you've got to repeat it. And that's the power of the word of God. The power of the word of God is when you release it and speak it back. Jesus gave us that example when the devil attacked him. He knew God spoke the word back in... You know, back in Deuteronomy when Moses was in the desert, God spoke that word. Guess what? When Jesus spoke it back, it defeated the devil. You want to defeat the devil? Number one, always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, know the word. Use the word. Amen. You gotta, you, you're going to have to know the word. You've got to have to learn how to speak the word. You have to learn how to speak it. You know why? Because it will build your faith, which is your shield, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I want to say in closing, the word of God will manifest the Holy Spirit. You'll see the power of the Holy Spirit manifested. You've got to learn how in your prayer, I talked a little earlier about how when you're in prayer, maybe it's not God saying, I want you to pray more. Maybe God's saying, I want you to be more... Um, uh, mature in your prayer life. The thing that matured me in my prayer life was learning how to pray the scriptures. Pray the scripture. And I began to learn that God would give you a rhema word. A rhema, it's a, the Greek word. We shared this the other day in the men's group. There's two definitions of the Bible, of the word of God. The logos, which is the entirety of the Bible. Every scripture in the Bible. But the rhema is a spoken word to you. It's a word that God gives you, drops it in your spirit. He gives you and says, use this, my son, use this, my daughter. It's a rhema word. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. The rhema of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. So I just can't take any scripture and start using it for myself. You see, this, this is why the name and claim it was bad because they would just take any scripture for themselves. God wasn't even speaking it to them. They've just taken it. The Holy Spirit will, as you read the word, and as you fill yourself with the word, the Holy Spirit will bring a rhema to you. And then you can use that scripture. So when I read the Bible, when I'm in a service like this, now you need to understand something. Not all rhema, words of God, is only the scripture. Sometimes God will give you a prophetic word. That's a rhema word. You'll be in church, amen, and God will give you a prophetic word. And you can take that word. I write anything that is a, a, a rhema from God, I write it down. You know why? Because the rhema word is the most valuable thing to me. And that's what we need to do, that rhema word of God and speak it. And one of the things I want to challenge you to do is begin to write down scriptures 
amen, that you can use for whatever your battle is. How many know that the Bible says God will give you wisdom? Amen. Give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Why? So you know how to fight the devil. If you're here tonight and you're fighting depression, discouragement, you're under a heavy cloud, a spirit of burden is upon you. I want you to know something. God can break that off of you. God can set you free from that. Amen. God's not giving you that kind of a heaviness. The devil will tell you things like this. Well, you know, your mama had that. Your daddy had that sickness. You know, you maybe you go to the, you're, you're thinking, I've got this pain. I bet you it's so-and-so. I bet this could be, you know, I got this symptom. I think it's diabetes. We get on the computer and start, yeah, that's symptom. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. That's what I got. Well, you go ahead and claim it if you want to. I don't claim that stuff. There was things, you know, my wife was going through something recently. Amen. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I went on and looked at the symptoms. I want him to tell you what the symptoms are are supposed to be. I, w- I didn't even tell her what the symptoms were. Yeah, I wanted to know. I thought, you know, this, this is kind of serious, you know, and we're praying and everything. And I went online, I looked and said, if you have these symptoms, this is what it could be. It could be. And I knew if I, I could have taken that to her and said, you know what I think? I think you may be getting blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Guess what happens then? The devil says, that's right. Yeah, Obamacare is going to help you now. You know, Holy Ghost care takes care of me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against those things. But there's time, amen, that where you, if you'll accept it and let the world take care of your problem, that's what you're going to live with, even as a Christian. You've got to be willing to say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, the Lord God said, I will take your infirmities and I bore your sicknesses and by my stripes you are healed. And there are times, amen, that you know what? The, the way the Lord heals you is you get an operation. I'm not against operation. Kristen just had an operation. Thank God for that. But I believe God's recovering her body just like that. But there's other times, amen, you don't have to get an operation. There's times, amen, you can be healed. There's all kinds of ways God heals us and ministers to us. Finances, God can break those things for you. What I want you to know tonight, whatever you're going through, whatever battle you each are going through personally, there's hope. Because number one, God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And number two, he gives you a word to use against the enemy. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper, amen? There's no weapon formed against you that will prosper. For God has said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. To pull in down these strongholds and everything that exalts itself against God's knowledge, and it'll bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And if we'll submit ourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer tonight.